Welcome to Defropology on Radio DePaul, brought to you by Jeffrey and Misha. <laughs> and today's episode, we're going to be kind of having a little bit of a critique toward um, what we say would be solace or corporate media and ways to kind of remove yourself from the constant rapid cycle of mediocre, like mediocrity and like the release cycle. So it's like kind of maybe where you can look for more, I would say, nuanced entertainment because there is still entertainment. It's just not being pushed as heavy, unfortunately. Yeah. Yeah. It's also kind of about how to be creative yourself in ways that are sustainable. And especially if, about thinking like you think like some shows have been running for so long. So it's like how to keep up your own creativity and how to find, you know, because a lot of us use outside sources for inspiration. So where can we find those sources ourselves? Mm. So kind of like our first big talking point is what is our complaint exactly? Well, so our there, first... There's several. There's several. So we're going to start off with big corporations and streaming. Um, there are too many streaming services at this point. And I was looking at a streaming guide. So I'm just going to name a couple off the top of my head and Misha, feel free to add any. So we have Netflix, Hulu, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, Peacock from NBC, to, uh, is it Tubi? Yeah, Tubi. Tubi. Then we also have like Crunchyroll for anime. You have every TV channel now has their own streaming service. So we have like, like Paramount Plus. HBO Max. Uh, HBO Max, Stars. Mm-hmm. What's the other? It was HBO Stars. What's the other one that was like After Dark? Okay. Oh God, I don't know. I don't watch TV enough. Yeah. So there's just so many at this point. Like and I, it was supposed to be the answer to cable streaming because you could get so much content. But now... Every time a show gets on one thing, it gets bought out to be brought to an exclusive to the next. So you can never get every program you want anymore. Yeah, it used to be that like all of the shows on one certain streaming platform were supposed to be like curated. Like I u- sometimes use Criterion Channel because it's like a specific curation of like older films or like in the fall, last fall they had like Jennifer's Body and other like classic Halloween movies. But now a lot of streaming services kind of lost that focus if that makes sense. Yeah, I feel like they're trying to cover every market, and in doing so, they lost what made themselves special. Yeah, exactly. Because then if you have to buy, like, five different streaming services, what is the actual difference in price that you're paying, like, with cable? Yeah, and you know what's weird? is like Apple TV+. Plus. Like, no one uses it, but if you compare the quality to Netflix, they don't have hardly any releases, but everything they put out, even if it's not for me, it's quality. If you compare it to Netflix, it's, like, quantity over quality, so it's like you want more bang for your buck, I guess, but also you want a lot of quality. So it's like maybe one would be better for you depending on like, do you want less that's better or more? Like there'll be more duds, but you might get more hits. Like you never know. Yeah, I feel like Netflix really does that like throwing pasta at the wall method. Yeah, and like, they cancel. Wait, I feel like they cancel too quickly. Like even if a show is bad, usually the writers will take criticism from season one and fi- like they, if they're good, they'll fix it by season two. If you cancel something way too soon, it like they cancel shows that even get good ratings sometimes just because it wasn't enough. And it's like, I've heard that Netflix tries to only do one season of something ever. And somehow that like boosts the amount of subscribers they get if they don't have the other seasons. I think I don't yeah, remember what it probably because they're trying they produce they it's producing more original content because if they have to renew yeah. it it's more money so it's like that makes sense but kind of a more like specific complaint moving on from Netflix is towards Disney 
And I feel like Disney kind of like, they keep buying stuff and they keep sapping everything good out of the media that they buy. And it's really sad because like, why buy something? Girl, (laughs) (laughs) why buy something that you just want to profit off of and not to like actually appreciate as an art form? Like I, it's going to be in the show sources. There's that like five-ish minute video of Alex Hirsch's emails between standards and practices and Mm. the scripts for his shows for Gravity Falls. Have you seen that video? Yes, I have. (laughs) Where it's like one of the things the standards and practice department asked him to do was to remove a shot where one male character puts his arm around another male character. Yeah. Because it was seen as like, oh, fans are like speculating about these characters. And Alex is like, they're friends. Yeah, but now Disney's on their progressive era where they're like, we don't care what's like getting released in certain places. We're going to have the characters kiss. Or when they have like Disney's fifth first gay character and it's just like, we don't want that from... Or at least I don't really expect or want gay representation from Disney. Because when they do it now, it just feels so, like, even more disingenuous than back then, you know? Like, I get that, like, it's like a lot of background characters, too. It's like the really solid background moments that cause so much noise. And it's like, I don't get why people care so much. It's like, not, not just Disney, it's like, I don't know. It's. It seems like it's a bit pandering to me after like the stuff they said, but and it also it reminds me we kind of just got off of this, but like like the Netflix and the Dave Chappelle thing where they like he was saying those comments on his show special and he was like oh this is the type of content we're gonna have it's like con it's like controversy for views kind of it's kind of where we're going it's like it's streaming services is becoming YouTube yeah and I just use YouTube to be honest. Yeah, and I use YouTube too, but it's like, I feel like with YouTube, you can subscribe to certain channels. Like with streaming, it's like you get all this stuff. Yeah, yeah. you can like really curate your YouTube experience. But I think a lot of like Gen Z, like YouTube is their main social media, actually. Yeah, but I feel like TikTok is like encroaching on it slowly but surely. Man, I don't know. I still don't have a TikTok. It's not for, uh, you get, you can really curate your timeline, but there's a lot of cringe you have to go through. So it's, if you can survive the initial week or two of being miserable, then you'll have a great life. I'm so, not doing that. <laughs> yeah. Um, my other complaint about Disney is this new phase four of Marvel is like this MCU phase is really bad. I don't think they realize what happened. Yeah. Hot take, all Marvel movies are bad. I'm not going <laughs> to entirely disagree. Uh, I feel like for every good one, you get a bad one and then people mm-hmm. pretend like the bad ones don't exist. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, my issue is they got rid of Captain America and Iron Man, which fair, but then they didn't have anyone to replace them with that was good enough. So now it just and like this, it's supposed to be a cinematic universe. Now all the movies are like none of them are connected, but they're forcing a connection. Mm. And it's like like it's like the Eternals. It's like you guys are supposed to pre- you protect the, like the whole universe, but when Earth was being attacked and got disintegrated in half, where were you? And why is Harry Styles being pushed into the MCU now too? It's like. I don't need Angelina Jolie in the MCU. Like, she seems lovely. It's just, it's too many freaking characters. See, I think Marvel, like, they don't even try to connect the movies anymore because no. they rely so heavily on fans, like, connecting the dots for them. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense? I feel like they see a fan theory and then they just script write it in. 
Yeah, like instead of having like an elaborate plan from the beginning of how they all fit together, they're like, you know what, because there's such a large audience base to draw from, if we steal like maybe one or two of the ideas or reuse one or two of the ideas and we change them up a little, like... I'm just... They're make, we're making Fantastic Four for the third time. Mm. Because Marvel, basically Disney has to do it because the rights for that thing, they lose if they don't remake it every certain number of years, like a new movie doesn't come out. So basically they're forced to. And I'm like, great. <laughs> I mean, they aren't forced to. They make so much money. But yeah, like, but you think they're going to give up a, pro- a right to anything? No, absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more excited for the total drama remake than anything Disney releases. Oh, wait, that is that happening? Yeah, they showed a cast photo of the new cast oh, as a teaser. They Some of them look like the old characters, but remodeled. I'm like, great. <laughs> Let's see where this goes. But Interesting. I, my, um, my other complaint is there's a lot of... I'm going this, to... This one point I'm kind of kind of combined with these two smaller points is, for one, why are all the queer shows getting canceled? So here makes... Like, my first thing that comes to mind was First Kill, which was that vampire... It was like the it was like the lesbian vampires. Mm-hmm. It was like the most watched thing for like four weeks on Netflix, and it somehow got canceled. It's like where's somehow? yeah somehow where's the appreciation for the sapphic love? Like there are shows that don't get top on Netflix and they get renewed. Mm. I'm like, and I know the budget wasn't high because it's a teen drama. Like you could have renewed it. Like it's not like it was The Witcher or anything that's high budget. And I've noticed with, like, any of the LGBT, like, Netflix original movies, like, they're all not great. Oh, I like Heartstopper. Mm. I'm going to say that, but I don't like the fan base. I don't. And even if you get a good show, the fan base is always toxic with, like, the shipping community and, like, the accusation of queer baiting and every single thing. Like, with Love, Victor, that happened, too. Mm. I would also say that. Like, I'd venture to say that pretty much all Netflix original movies are kind of bad now that I think about it. Yeah, all the movies are... <laughs> you get, like, one good movie a year and, like, ten bad ones. I watched Dear X last year. I don't use Netflix anymore, actually, because I lost my password. But uh, I really liked Dear X, actually. Mm. Did you see that one? No, is it good? Um, so it's this movie where, like, this kid's dad dies and they find out that the dad doesn't give the inheritance money to the mom or the son. He gives it to a male lover. Oh, my God. And it's kind of uh. like, the, I don't know. I, I liked it. It was messy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then my last complaint is, I feel like because of capitalism, they're trying to sell, like, everything. So now I feel mm-hmm. like minorities, so, like, ethnic minorities, racial minorities, or gay minorities are being packaged in a way that's, like, suitable to, like, white people. So it's basically you stereo. It's getting a little bit better because we're getting more nuanced stuff, but I guess. But it's like you think of like the dragon lady Asian female trope. Like that still happens sometimes. Like you think of like the be- gay best friend character. Mm-hmm. It's like, how do we make this palatable to all people, including the homophobes? So what we're going to do is we're going to cut this guy's lines. Like he'll be there, but we're not going to force him into the main story plot. He's just going to be like the background best friend who just ups the straight character and does her makeup. That's like it, like that happens. Like I was thinking of like Emily in Paris. It's like they have a gay guy in the show just to be the he's he's black. He speaks French and he's gay. It's like they fit every box there. Like, like that's what it feels like with some of these shows. Yeah, like a lot of the minority characters are like perfect, but they don't get as much screen time because they're minority, so they aren't like the main character. Mm-hmm. And then 
They're obsessed with validation from the white main character. Yeah, or like all of their talents end up going towards that yeah. main character. I would agree. But I don't know. One of the other things that's like kind of, I think biopics have always been kind of like a big deal. I heard that they were kind of just like a shoe in for one of the award shows, the Oscars? Question mark. Yeah, probably. Amazes TV. Oscars is movies. Amazes TV. So yeah, that would sound right. Okay. Like they always have like a biopics category and that's why so many get made is that they're like kind of shoe-ins. And also it's just easy. It's easy script writing. You already have a story mainly written. And guess what? Now you get to creatively twist some of the events to fit your narrative better. Yeah. I hate that. (laughs) I hate when people like retcon real people. Yeah. It's so weird. Like, I was, I don't really watch any biopics. The only one I actually liked, the last one I liked was when, I think it was like the TLC one way back in the day because they actually helped write that one. So it felt more authentic. And they actually casted the people. They looked just like them. And they, so, I don't know. I feel like you have to be true to the, you have to be true to the person you're playing, which. Yeah. The only one that I watched was like right at the start of the pandemic, the like, Who's it about? The, like, shockingly evil... Oh, the Ted Bundy one. Yeah. With Zac Efron. It was bad. Like, it was really bad. Like, I don't even know where to begin. <laughs> I don't... My first... Okay, this is my other thing. Why do so many serial killers get casted with, like, really... Maybe not to us. The attractive people. It's like... Why are you... Can we please not? Comparison, I'll say that, like, in terms of, like, villain characters, I really liked Paul Dano as the Riddler. Mm. Like, not necessarily... I don't want to say he's unattractive, because, like, that's extremely rude. But he definitely isn't, like, Zac Efron in terms of looks. Yeah. You know? I don't know. I get what you mean. point, but... And everything we were talking about is, like, for, like, another type of publishing is, like, like the manga publishing industry. So, like, what are some of your thoughts on that? Or even, like, book publishing in general. I feel like there's kind of, like, tighter schedules being put yeah. on. Yeah, and that court case that's happening right now between Simon & Schuster and Penguin. Oh? There's a monopoly battle, so it's, like, the U.S. government. So, I think it's Penguin... One of either Penguin or Simon Schuster is trying to buy the other. And they're one of the big five publishing companies. Yeah. Basically, the U.S. government says, no, you can't buy the publishing company because then you'd own too many books. You'd own, you could do too much. Like, you could change wages too much. You, mm-hmm. you could force books to cost more. But then all the other big houses lost all my respect because they were, like, witnesses saying how bad it would be. But then they asked him, they asked one of the other big five, and he's like, oh, yeah, I would buy it, too. Like, if this court case doesn't end in the other's favor, I'm still going to try to buy it, too. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, as a capitalist, what else would you do? I was like, ill. And I don't know. They let Disney buy so much stuff, but then why is there this big controversy with those two companies? Well, Disney's been put on notice. They can like they can mm. buy they can still buy creative work. They can't buy any more studios, as like as many studios. Interesting. The, yeah, the thought process is you can't put out the competitors, but you can compete for the titles. I think that's still pretty silly. Just yeah, considering- there should be like a limit to how many you can get a year, I think. Because like you can't stop them from getting you titles or they can't or they would only be doing re-releases, which they're kind of doing anyway, but it wouldn't exactly be f- even though I I don't care. 
if we're doing it a capitalist perspective, which it, it wouldn't be fair, I guess, but. Yeah, I don't know. That's another thing. Like, all of the live action movies that have been coming out lately, terrible. Yeah. But uh, I think this is actually intermission time. I think we're a little. Oh. Over. Well, Ooh. it might be over the song, so maybe we'll just do the ad. Okay. Yeah. You're okay with that. Yeah. I'm going to get the ad ready, guys. So we will see you soon. Alrighty, we are back, and we, we've been complaining for a hot, hot minute, so let's go into what maybe some of the solutions might be yeah, that we thought of. to all of this. Yeah. The first one that like I wrote down was that I think physical media is so much better than like digital or streaming, and I think there's definitely like half of Gen Z is like going more towards physical media and like there's another half that's like kind of not caring as much mm. if that makes sense yeah get closer to the mic oh okay yeah uh, i would agree because i i feel like all like nostalgia is in so like you see people getting record players all the time like when i go to target i see record players actually being sold out like not even record players but like the actual um can i call you out what you have a vinyl collection, but you don't have a record player. Not yet. I'm going to get one. <laughs> I also, like, I want to be one of those people who doesn't have one yet, but puts it on their wall as, like, aesthetic. Mm. <laughs> See, but vinyls are, like, the way to go. Because, like, even with CDs, you need a computer to, like, play it. But with vinyls, like, you have your separate yeah. thing. And, like, it's but good forever. I'm going to give a little bit of Taylor Swift slander. So this is the, one of the few times you're going to get it for me. Tell me why she releases like six vinyls with each album girl if you don't release one and stop wasting packaging for the environment <laughs> you think taylor swift cares about the environment no after that plane <laughs> stuff but girl she better get she's she, she saw that she's like i'm gonna make an event in like 10 months or we're gonna see a charity fundraiser she's gonna do oh god see no celebrity really cares about the environment but that's like that's a different episode my yeah. goodness <laughs> but do you want to go into the next? Yeah. So we were kind of also talking about um, enjoying, like, broadening your horizons. So what what we mean by that is, like, older music or, like, even foreign music or foreign films, you know? Like, a lot of people are scared by subtitles. Don't be scared by subtitles. Yeah, I don't get it. I, I promise you it's just in your head. Once you watch one or two, you get used to it. Like, I'm actually going to the movie theater later today to see a Japanese movie. It's exciting. Yeah, and but <laughs> you like if you like certain types of genres, there are certain markets that are just amazing at it. Like there's so many good Korean horror movies. There's so many good Korean romance movies too. Like like even Japanese, there's so many good Japanese horror movies as well. It's like you should look. I'm not saying you should watch every foreign film, but I'm saying what you like, you should look into. Like, if you're a really big horror fan, you're missing out on so much horror by just sticking to American or English releases, or even just sticking to releases that have like from 2000 onwards. Yeah, like, I think what Night of the Living Dead is from like the 70s, 60s. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. When I think about like capitalism on YouTube, it's like it reminds me of like how Blair Witch Project was kind of like marketed. Like, they pretended like the actors were actually missing. Oh. Like, interesting. 
so everyone thought like those people were actually gone. It was pretty interesting, but a yeah, pre-internet ARG. Yeah, it was pretty oh, cool. Interesting. Yeah, and also we would I would say that instead of more remakes of like stuff that already exists, I vote for more adaptations to film. So like more from books because in books and video games, but I'm not saying like I don't want a lot of tons of stuff involves CGI maybe because CGI can be shot unless you're gonna put the budget. Like the the Mario movie, yeah, and the Sonic. like the Witcher. The Witcher Netflix looks good because they put the budget. But if you're not gonna put the budget, <laughs> remember the like really early before the first Sonic movie came out. Yeah, that trailer with like the worst looking CGI Sonic yeah. ever. Yeah, is there any oh. is there any manga that hasn't gotten an anime adapt that you like, or any book that you would love to see like in a film or maybe limited TV run or anything? You're asking a big question we have to come back for you on that yeah. as like a fun fact if you ever bring back fun facts mm-hmm. but i don't know i also think part of like enjoying creative works more is also being creative in your own right and creating your own stuff because then you kind of get to appreciate the behind the scenes that goes into yeah so like is there what are like some things people can enjoy or get into you think um, if you happen to be a student at DePaul University, you can apply for a Radio DePaul show. <laughs> yeah. Also, if you're like, this is the thing, people with creative stuff, you have to learn to not get discouraged right away because your first couple of things are not going to be good subject. Like if you're drawing, it takes a while to get that skill. You have to put in hours of practice. But if you're willing to put in the hours of practice, I think it's 20,000 hours of practice till you can be considered a master at something. Oh, interesting. Like it's, and it's like scientifically studied for any like thing, like language, art. If you're just willing to put in the time, I'm not saying you have to do this a ton of time a day, but like if you're willing to put in half an hour, an hour a day, you're going to get there eventually. Even if you don't want to be a master, you'll get really good. Well, I guess that's like the idea behind like credit hours and things like that in college. Yeah, like you put more hours towards like a general knowledge, you'll get you'll get something out of it. <laughs> something. <laughs> like I definitely would have never gotten into like audio editing or doing all these things that actually helped me get a job actually if I didn't start Deathropology. And I had this I was sitting on this idea for so long before God God bless Natalie Walsher. <laughs> yeah. Um, I just happened to be in the same voice call. Yeah. Not as profound. <laughs> no, for real. <laughs> I would say another thing is don't say no to every opportunity. A lot of being good at finding new creative things is also being willing to say yes. Not when you're uncomfortable, like not when something's going to like ruin your mental health. But I'm saying if you're a little bit uncomfortable with something, maybe you should try to branch out. But if it's like uncomfortableness to where you couldn't function, I'm not saying that. But I'm saying if it's like a slight uncomfortability, it's sometimes good to face those things, which is something I had to learn because I'm someone who would stay in the house all day. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. And one of the best things you can like do for yourself as like a human, as a social creature is to ask for help and ask for feedback on things. Yeah. And finding friends with common interests, like your Mm -hmm. friends can be some of your biggest sources of inspiration or your family. Like if you talk to them, it's. Yeah, it's like bouncing ideas off of each other. Yeah. And I, I kind of wanted to go back just a little bit on the, like, resolutions portion. If you go to, like, Internet Archive or, like, the Creative Commons, there are a lot of, like, 
read movies and books and music on there. You just have to kind of be willing to click around a lot, which mm. I really love because it kind of feels like an adventure, but yeah, what's like kind of a side. Since we're like on, since we still have a couple minutes to go, what are some things that like people, what are some tropes that you actually enjoy that like maybe they're a little bit overdone, but they're not overdone enough to you? Like it's, it's saucy when it's in something. It's like, ooh, <laughs> I love a good fairy tale remake. Like I know they're overdone, but when someone does a really good twist that I've never seen before, I'm always shocked. Mm. I always, I always really like kind of seeing, like behind the scenes on things. Mm, okay. I know that's like not necessarily like a, a trope or anything, but I love like what something I've been doing recently. I've been talking about the Brobex, I think, every single show <laughs> this this term because I've been going back on, like, old interviews and I love seeing how, like, other people's creative processes work. Yeah. And whether or not anything they do can apply to what I do mm-hmm. now, if yeah. that makes sense. And one of the big things I've gotten from it is, like, the idea of, like, killing your darlings, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like... Not every episode of Deathropology is going to be absolutely perfect up to standard how I have it in my brain. And that's kind of a good thing. Yeah. That's actually a really great thing. Because you get to see, like, the improvement over time. It's that. And also, like, the idea that if we recorded an episode and we edited it and edited it and re-recorded it until I thought it was perfect, we wouldn't have a show. Yeah. (laughs) Like, it would not... Yeah, that's, like, one of my problems that I'm working on is, like, I I like to write fanfic, but I'm so afraid to publish it. But I'm just, at, oh. I'm at this point where I'm just going to start writing chapters, and, like, I'm going to go over the rough draft maybe once or twice. I'm going to, like, limit to myself how many times do I can look it over before I just publish it. And yeah. if someone tells me something I can edit, I can just edit it later. It's, like... Yeah, you can always, like, go back and edit that kind of stuff. There's, like, at least five different iterations of one Brobex. Oh, my God. I might have to no, <laughs> I might have to change my whole freaking solo episode to something about that because I'm so passionate about fanfic. Oh, interesting. <laughs> Look forward to that, everybody. <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. An episode on the ethics of a Hana Hockey. Just kidding. <laughs> I, I can't imagine what my solo episode is going to be about. <laughs> uh, but that is kind of all we have for this week i would hmm what well, else is there we didn't do the nexus section that much if you want to talk about anything in there always still have time we can look over there and there no i pretty much went over all of it mm, okay I well i don't know just create something i actually i have i don't know if i should admit this or not i have a tumblr account dedicated to posting like things that i make anonymously mm. and i just throw them out there yeah there was a point in time where I was just like randomly making gifts because I was really bored. Mm. And if you find them, then congratulations. <laughs> yeah, recently, that's not like necessarily a creative thing, but it's also just finding stuff you enjoy that you can apply to creative things. Like, like let's say you like writing, but you also like sports. Make a sports novel. Like, I don't know. Like, just apply other stuff and build them together into something awesome. Yeah, and like... I've always been really into death, but, like, the original premise of this show is a lot more serious, and I do kind of like how it's expanded out to being something a bit more relaxed and a bit less, like... Yeah, because, yeah, we like the serious topics, but it can get a bit heavy talking. If we talked about it every single week, it could be a little bit emotionally draining. Well, it's that, and it's also, like, 
doing the research for these episodes takes a lot of time. Yeah, because we're not going to put out like a re- like a episode that needs research stuff if we don't we don't think we put enough research into it. Yeah, that that could actually. I was thinking about this being an episode in itself, like the episode graveyard of like ideas we haven't quite. Oh, uh, like episodes that will never be released and why, but like we still want you to hear about like the overall idea. Yeah, because that that would be pulling back the curtain for us, you know. Oh, okay. The, we have to do that. We have to scenes. do like a special episode for that then. Oh. <laughs> Maybe uh, at the end of the year. <laughs> okay. Well, we're at like the end of our show today, guys. So you guys should totally follow us at Defropology. D E A T H R O P O L O G Y. We also have a G. That's our Gmail as well. So add us on Gmail if you want to have any questions or any feedback or anything. Um, yeah. yeah. Our, our main social is Instagram, but we do also have a Tumblr, and that's where the show sources usually are, because usually there's a few too many for Anchor, because there's like a limit on how many characters yeah. you can put in the description. Anyways, yeah. thank you so much for listening. We are leaving. Bye. Have a great week. <laughs>